Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, Market Mondays, legendary situation. Yes. Yeah, we got going on tonight. <clears throat> this is uh going to be one of the ones, man. Special. It's one of the ones. Special. Man, That's the sure. Um, we don't really, you know, talk about politics too much, but it's important. And um, you know, politics and, and finance go hand in hand. So when you get an opportunity to talk to, you know, world leaders, potential world leaders, future world leaders, you have to take the opportunity if nothing else, um, to gain information and insight because, um, <clears throat> yeah, everything runs through the political process. So today we are joined by none other than Stacey Abrams. Yes. Wow. Who is looking to make history. Um, she already made history a lot by, um, one of several things that she's done, but she, you know, turned Georgia, uh, blue, for Joe Biden, and mm -hmm. that was a historical moment. First time in like 60 years, I think, that uh, that Georgia um, voted Democrat, and that was one of the main reasons why Joe Biden is actually in office now. Mm -hmm. um, and now she's looking to become the first black female governor in American history, mm -hmm. the only black current governor, um, and I think only the third black elected governor ever 
like, Jeez. um, in the history of America. Mm -hmm. So, and I could be one or two off for that. I think it might be two or three, but it's it's not more than like four. I know that a lot of the the governors, like even that we had in New York, Patterson, he was he got in by default, mm -hmm. um, and that happens a few times. But there has not been many black elected governors in the history of the United States ever. And there's no black governors now. And governors are one of the most important people in the whole political process. They actually have more power than the president in a lot of different um, scenarios for their state because they're the ones that control the state budgets. They're the ones that, you know, have state mandates. This is why when you see Corona, you see, you know, all these different states have all these different rules on Corona because yeah. the president doesn't have power to just hand down what he wants to happen. It's really the governor. So... Yeah. legendary conversation on the way stay tuned uh but before we start um you know just real quick uh speaking of legendary big episode <laughs> tomorrow shout out to my brother Jalen Rose yes let's go Jalen Rose from Detroit Michigan yes um we went to his school and we filmed uh a legendary episode with him for EYL that comes out tomorrow eight o'clock Super nostalgic, super yes, nostalgic. Yes, yes, Jalen Rose, man, he got his own school. Super dope. We yeah. spoke about the NIL rule. We yeah. talked about, you know, uh, Michigan. We talked about, you know, Detroit. We talked about the whole vibe. So broadcasting, broadcasting. Don't forget about that. Skip Bayless. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest <laughs> moments in the history. Nah, his name ain't even Skip, man. It's, it's like what is it? One point nine. One point eight. One point eight. His his career average. Spoke to spoke to him about. <laughs> The originator uh, of the leather jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't play yourself and miss that because that's one of the ones. Yeah, um, yeah, important, important episode. And, uh, you know, shout out to everybody that came out to our activation for New York Fashion Week. We had a show for New York Fashion Week, legendary Incredible. situation. Ian was in the building, 19 Keys, Keanu Watson, MG the Mortgage Guy. Um, you know, we interviewed Dapper Dan. Legendary. <laughs> legendary conversation. But step behind, backstage. Yo, I was going to say, the, oh, the, my. Two, the, the two hours prior to us getting up on one stage. Of, Best wow. talks ever. Wow. Legendary, man. Wow. Um, so, and then Fabio Foreign came out to perform. Big Super drill. dope. Surprise hey. performance. Um, wow. Shout out to United Master. Shout out to Ally. They, yeah. had a, they had a dope panel. Met the CMO of Ally. Um, so She's amazing. That was really dope experience. Um, thank you for everybody that came. Don't miss an event. I would keep telling you this. And you keep missing events. Don't miss yeah. an event. Don't miss an event because every event you never know what could happen. Legendary situation as always. Um, so you know, thank you to Ally, thank you to United Masters, and thank you to everybody that came. That was dope Chris. for me. Yeah, Chris Gotti, my Chris brother Gotti. Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Gotti in the building, man. Um, that was just it was legendary all the way around. Yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah. that was so so dope for us. Don't forget the fabrics. Oh yeah, well. Shout out to Mike B on the fabrics, man. Self-explanatory. Shout out to Mike B. That's shout incredible. out to Mike B. Our, our brother shout, keeps delivering. Shout out to Thirteenth and Create. We actually have a documentary on our fashion journey that's on our YouTube channel. I was about to say that, yeah. That we debuted at Fashion Week. Um, so that was dope as well. So you know, it was just a dope experience all the way around New York, New York City. Um, all right. Amazing so time. We, I ain't get any pizza, but the vibes of New York was hell inspiring. <laughs> um, I won't say nothing about the conversation we had. For the oh, that was legendary within itself. <laughs> I was gonna say well, there's gonna be plenty more opportunities to get that pizza because New York City is a real thing for you yeah. to be a part of. But yeah. that that was one the of the next ones. Day? That was an impromptu TED talk on the corner. Um they one of the best pieces of advice. I don't know everybody gonna be like, why don't y'all just say what it is? I can't, I wish, 
But yes, be around. That's what I will say. Yeah, be around. Think, it's kind of one of those things where you just walk into a moment and you're like, this is one of those moments that's gonna change our lives forever. I sat in the car like, wow. Imagine if like you had a bunch of those conversations on a weekly basis, like yes. how productive we all would be. Um, so we're we gonna share, we're gonna, we gonna drip it out slowly, slowly, slowly. from what we've learned. Because yeah. uh, it was a lot, it was a lot. And it's a good lesson to only be around people that bring you joy, inspire you and uplift you. Be mindful of like how you feel after. After that conversation, we was already excited, but to have that conversation, like I felt like, like intellectual high after. Yeah, yeah. 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 Shout out, shout out to my Legos and my <laughs> and, and my London connects. Legendary moments to come for Speaking sure. Speaking of which, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about London later on in the show because okay. I got a story related to London that I think would be beneficial to tie it all in. Yeah. Um, but Troy. Yeah, real quick, as we, as we mentioned, shout out to our good folks at Ally. We wanna give y'all a great choice if you're looking to bank or invest. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service and is relentlessly focused on doing it right for both customers and our communities. Ally is giving our Market Mondays viewers and listeners a special offer on ally.com slash EYL so that you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. Again, that's ally.com slash EYL. For everything we need, we're all better off with an ally. Securities products and services are offered through Ally Invest Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Shout out to the good folks at Ally. And like Rashad said earlier, man, just an incredible panel. Um, mm -hmm. we, we met the CMO at Art Basel. Um, and she, wasn't a, she wasn't hosting a panel, but watching her up there, I was like, man, she did a great she, job. She got a, she's got a, a knack for this thing. She did an incredible job and the panelists were incredible. It, it's, it's, it's very like, it's interesting. Like when you sit down and you get to become just a student and become mm -hmm. part of the audience and you realize like, yo, this this thing isn't easy. Like this mm -hmm. isn't easy. And they, they're really up there killing it. So uh, shout yeah. out to them. It was incredible. All right, so you know how this works. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used. It must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and which to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. Please do your research. Even when we give you the, the, the homework, please double check it. And then after it, it pans out to be something that is worthwhile to do, please share it. That's how we grow as a community, y'all. Love us, yes. This is a message brought to you by the good fellows at Earn Your Leisure and the good brother Ian Dunlap, master investor himself. Uh, Ian, any announcements? Um, Stock Club Call will be on Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Central. Um, second, check out Get Smart With Money, starring Bajanista, Ross Mack. And if you look for maybe three or four seconds, you may see an appearance by me in there. So shout out to Ross Mack for uh, including me in that Netflix. I'm coming soon. Looking forward <laughs> to talking to you. Let's have an amazing episode. Yes. Um, all right. Let's get into this. Um, if I can, I want to start with something that <laughs> I saw this morning. And I'm going to tie this all in to, to an experience that we have coming up. So um, <clears throat> I think by now we all know that Queen Elizabeth passed away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so obviously there's changes that are being made, um, now that she's no longer living. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, the British empire and, you know, is even though they're not in full control of the, a lot of these colonies, um, that they had, they still 
are, are under the rule. Sean actually talked to us about that when we interviewed him at Art Basel last year. Mm -hmm. So I believe uh, Jamaica is still under the rule of yes, it Britain. Is. Yep. Um, it's like 13 countries. Yeah. Um, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, so they got to change their money because they have the they have the queen's face on the money. So now they have to change their money. It's a whole. It's a whole. Yeah, King thing. Charles will be on the phone now. Yeah, yeah. King Charles III. So um, one of the things that's interesting is uh, you know. It's always it's always some money involved in this whole situation. So, um, Business Insider uh, reported that King Charles um, has inherited. I believe I'm saying this correctly. I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not missaying it. Uh, the Duchy of Lancaster estate, and that is uh, valued at seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Now, he inherited that from um, Queen Elizabeth. Now, what's interesting about this is that. Um, <clears throat> There's no inheritance tax on the estate due to a rule introduced by the UK government in 1993 to guard against the royal family's assets being wiped out if two monarchs were to die in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, now, the Ducci uh, estate generated uh, an income of $27 million last year for the Queen. Mm -hmm. And um, to put it in, in perspective the estate has uh 45,000 acres and it consists of land holdings buildings uh commercial real estate across the UK and um you know a luxury hotel uh the Savoy hotel so what's interesting about this is that under normal circumstances there's a 40% tax yeah. on property over $337,000 in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, but being that it's being passed down from royal to royal, there's no tax on property valued at 750 million. And um, <laughs> the, crown, the crown, the crown, as they call it, the crown, which the royal family has an estimated net worth of 30 billion, um, which properties That's include yeah, I was going to say that's low, but, you know, yeah. that's what's reported. Estimated. Um, with properties including Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle. So this is interesting on a variety of levels because, um, you know, when we talk about politics, once again, this ties it into, you know, Stacey Abrams' conversation with her. When you talk about politics and when you talk about, you know, estate tax and when you talk about, you know, inheritance and mm -hmm. you're talking about legacy this all comes into play and um you know a lot of times people aren't even fully educated on the royal family shots our god dial and he took us to the house of the lords when we were in london and he gave us a full education where he was like you know the, the royal family still has a lot of power absolutely and, um in their government they have the house of lords and they have the house of commons it's similar to kind of like um congress and the house of representatives and then you have the prime minister. So the Senate, Senate and House of Representatives. This that's what I what did I say? Congress? Yeah. The Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, so you have the House of Lords and you have the House of Representatives, and you have the um Prime Minister. And the Prime Minister actually meets with the well now will be the king every single week. Um, so they still hold a lot of power in the government, even though you know they're not in full control, but they have mm -hmm. a lot of influence, a lot of power. And um things like this just go to show you, you know, it's, it's extremely interesting to see, um, you know, how different rules are put in place. And from my understanding, if it's, if she has other assets as well, mm -hmm. and if those assets aren't passed down to 
uh, members of the royal family, then it's actually is taxable. So the only way that it avoids being taxed is if it's passed down to royal family. So this is like a this is a this is this is the education just in in life in general how important family is, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the structures and put in place to preserve the worth, to preserve the wealth, and to keep it in family. And there's an incentive to keep it into the family and not give it to somebody else. Like this is a, a deeper conversation that you know we can have one day. Um, but it's interesting. So what's mm-hmm. what's your what's your thoughts on yeah, this situation? I, I just I mean you just laid it out pretty perfectly, but on top of it. So he, Charles gets the, the estate, right, at Lancaster, but now his son, who will be the future king, he gets the Cornwall estate, which is valued at $1 billion. So, like, think about that. Like, yep. he had that estate, now he passes it down to his son. We talked about the assets. This is another piece of it, too. I think in 1701, they put uh, in, in, in law that they couldn't sell the assets. And so they just have to keep accumulating them, but to keep them from being taxed, they just keep passing them down. So they really can't sell them. They just have them. But as they have them, this is like when we're talking about long term, mm-hmm. think about since for over, what is this, three centuries now, right? Yeah. Since that, that was put into place, the value of these assets just keep increasing and increasing, increasing. And who knows, right? By the time uh, Prince William's son becomes king, he may say like, you know what? Maybe we should be able to sell some of these assets, right? So They won't let him. They, I'm, I'm sure they won't, but yeah. like, I mean, he'll, he'll be the ruler at some point. So you never know. I mean, but it's just interesting when we're talking about, like you said, estates and how people are keeping things in line. This, this is this is a prime example of it. Yeah, three things for me. Uh, it brings me back to that quote from Medici: "Money to get power, power to keep control, and money." So the acquisition of assets, money, things is one thing, but if you don't have the political persuasion will be in power to protect those assets and kind of put the rules in your favor. So like even in basketball, everyone knows if like you're the number one player in the NBA, at some point the commissioner may say, hey, he gets a few more free throws than maybe James Harden would down the stretch, right? And people are like, I'm not even touching them, but it's LeBron or in the 90s, it was Michael. So as you accumulate these assets, you have to then because we have to look at all of this as a supply chain. Once you get to that top tier, you have to look at how you can use your money to then influence the political structure to then lean in your favor. Um, number two, we have to have a conversation one day about planning for 100 and 200 year cycles and not thinking of 20 or 30 years. So when I'm saying, hey, hold a stock for 30 years, that sounds crazy. But if you look at what they've done, as you said, they've been holding these properties for over 300 years and having to roll them over. So even in venture firms or angel investment, you have a five-year lockup period. You may have invested in a tech startup that delivers groceries and year one and two not be great, but year five, your exiting was 600%. Let's look at what that overall return has been over the last 100 or 300 years for the family. And we have to put similar plans in place um, for us. So yes, yeah, a very interesting story but and for all everyone who says it's not fair i totally agree but this is why it's important that we have an investment strategy collectively that we all can use so we can put these rules in our favor together as a community yeah for sure well speaking of the royal family and london and (laughs) all of these 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 things um we have something that is extremely monumental planned for the United Kingdom, for Europe, and for the world. Um, the Royal Albert Hall 
is um, not only the most prestigious venue in London, and it is, it's one of the most prestigious uh, venues in Europe. And it's it's not in the world. In the world. It's not just called Royal Albert Hall for no reason. Um, I believe it was Queen Catherine who built it um, for her son, um, who was Prince Albert. And um, it is... It's kind of hard to explain the significance of the Royal Albert Hall if you're not from the UK, um, but it is extremely, extremely hard venue to get. Some of the biggest artists in the world have never performed at the Royal Albert Hall. It's an immaculate, um, you know, structure, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to be able to make history on uh, Halloween on October 31st to bring financial literacy to to London and do a show at Royal Albert Hall, I think is something that I don't think people have a full appreciation of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the most impressive things that we've been able to do so far. And that's mm-hmm. saying a lot, because we've done a lot of impressive yeah. things. <laughs> I, I, I would argue, I mean, it, you said musicians, but some of the greatest entertainers, comedians, you know, have never even walked foot in this. They haven't True. been allowed to. So to understand that where we're coming from and what we're doing, the mission that we're on to be in it, it I mean, it's historic in itself. Like, I, I agree. It's probably one in the top two or three things we've ever done. Yeah, Royal. Uh, it will be very Royal, the whole situation, <laughs> the whole vibe. Keyword. Royal re- re- regalia. Regalia, um, yes. And I, I encourage you. Talk about, give me a pal. Give me regalia. Damn, I re- I, well played. I encourage everybody to come um, dressed accordingly. Please. Dressed accordingly. Dressed as um, you're going to a, a Royal banquet, because you are. And um, Back. you are regal. Yes. And, um, you know, life changing information is always going to be there. You know, 19 Keys, Ian Dunlap, Wall Street Trapper, mm-hmm. Ernie Elysia, Patricia Bright, um, amongst others. Um, Stay but, tuned. Um, you know how we do. <laughs> this 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 is going to be one of the ones, man. And I'm extremely humble. Shout out to Tape London for putting this together for us. And uh, I just encourage every single person in the United Kingdom, every single person in Europe, every single person all over, and every single person in America to get there. Please go come. Ahead. Go to go to our website, click the uh, InvestFest Euro tab, mm-hmm. and get your tickets. And I'll say this really quickly. Um, you guys come in. I'm honored for you guys to come. But don't think that you're doing this for our benefit, especially if you're a business person. You are doing it for your benefit, because if you're getting a chance to build potentially some business internationally, you're going to have a leg up on your competitors in the United States of America. So sometimes people like it's a lot of events. I don't know if I should go. But if you don't have a chance to meet people in person that can 5x, 10x, 50x your business, what are you going to do? Post on social all day while the algorithms being throttled. I saw Cardi going off the other day about it. Um, So please come. Saw that. Saw that. Invest Fest Euro is going to be great. Please, and yes, I will be minimum three-piece suit. So <laughs> come, come in your best dress like you at the Grammys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, get your tickets now. Um, you can go to our website, go to Invest Fest Euro tab, and um, we're going to have a bunch of surprises. And, um, yeah, this is be all new information. Everywhere we go, we give new information relevant to the community that we're at. And Europe, last time we were there, it was a networking event. It wasn't an event. It was a networking event. This will be a full-fledged production, mm-hmm. not an event. It will be a production motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah. the highest level of integrity will will be carried out and um stage performances musical performances it'd be a vibe man so yeah and i'll be what you say and my apologies yeah and i'll be exclusively talking about the uk stock market even tying into the passing of the queen um even though the british pound has been falling technically since 2008 i have noticed all year and especially the week of our passing the volume in 6b which is the british pound future uh, there was a lot more volume in that market as well. So um, I will be talking about how to trade in the European market, British pound, British Euro. Uh, I got a special presentation that somebody else are, are going to do together. <laughs> Cannot wait. It's never been done before. Never. Uh, never been never, seen before. Never been done this. Never, never been done by anybody in history. So Please arrive early. Please, please don't miss the moment. Yes, please, please. All right. Now let's go into this. Um, what is one sector all of us are looking to invest in over the next year mm -hmm. that is essentially inflation proof and recession proof? Oof. For me, um, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, healthcare and my uh... leading player <laughs> in that space, Eli Lilly. I'm from Indiana. I have a ton of friends that uh, work in Indianapolis, work at Lilly, but anyone who is familiar, um, they are my leading player in that space. So if we look at the growth, even because there was a lot of companies that did well post um, COVID in in the healthcare space, but not many have done as well as Eli Lilly. If we go back to 2014, the stock was at $50.78. It's at $317 now and 27 cent. Um, and they've continuously had stable growth, stable gains, and technically they've had maybe one bad month since 2011. One bad month. And it's, it's Eli Lilly's one of those companies like Tim Duncan is underappreciated because it's not the flashes. It's like, well, I don't have a cure for Corona in two days. And if you drink this tea with this elderberry syrup, right? They've consistently throughout, shout out to everybody who likes elderberry. It helped me when I had COVID. Thank you, Safari. Um, but when I um, am looking at healthcare companies that have consistent growth and uh, a stock that I never lose sleep over, Eli Lilly is the lead uh, player that I would draft that is inflation and recession proof. Ah, oh, man. Those, I, I, you know what? I wrote two because I figured you'd probably say healthcare. Yeah. But I, ha I had healthcare. And the number one reason I wrote it was because people are always going to get sick. Like that's Absolutely. something that it doesn't matter recession or not. People are always going to get sick. People are always going to need treatment. People are always going to need medicine. That will, that, it doesn't matter what the fi the financial climate is. Yeah. Um. And so you had Lily on there, of course. I knew you would. Uh, but I wrote down a few others. I had CVS on there. Mm -hmm. um, just, just the strong companies, Johnson & Johnson, obviously Pfizer, Johnson, and so what they did. Yeah. And like one of these slept on companies that nobody really thinks about, Walgreens, right? Like, People are always going to need treatment. They're going to need their medicine. They're going to need to get it from somewhere. These are just solid companies. So I had healthcare, but also had agriculture in there as well, right? And I spoke about it kind of on um, when we were at the Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. Like, what is these one of these recession-proof areas? And I'm like, well, are we always going to need food? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then based on the conversation, one of the you know the conversation we had, absolutely, week, it made it even more evident. Like, I'm, I'm glad this came up, and I'm like, wait, we're always going to need food, mm -hmm. right? We should be looking at the commodities or looking at companies. And I spoke about it. I spoke about Kellogg's. I talked about Campbell. Like these are just steady companies yeah. that are consistent 
no matter the economic climate, because we're always going to need food. Um, so agriculture, healthcare, I knew you was going to say healthcare, so that's why I came up with another one. Well, sometimes the right answer is the one that we unanimously agree upon. Um, so for everyone listening, we both agreed on healthcare. Please write that down. If you're looking for something outside of tech, that probably, I won't say probably, it should be the second industry or sector that you're looking to invest in for sure. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll actually um, go a different direction with this conversation. and I'm, I'm going to give them some insight to that conversation that we had on Saturday, on Sunday. Um, <laughs> hit you, I'm going to hit you out with something that, what Jay said, I'm going to hit you out with some, something that could change your life up. Um, very insightful insight that was given to us about seller's market and buyer's market. Mm -hmm. there's only there's, there's two types of markets in this world seller's market and the buyer's market and the gentleman kaiser so say we'll call him who um <laughs> who was giving us this 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 talk and you know i was talking to him and i'm like i you know he's like i only want to be in um in seller's market i don't want to be in a buyer's market like what do you what do you mean mm -hmm. like, all right let me explain it to you in a way that you could probably understand he's like when you go to a gas station have you ever seen anybody negotiate the prices of gas at the gas station like no i've never seen it before mm -hmm. right whatever it is you just pay it he's like like where we live the the light company is called con edison it's like con edison um they give you your light bill and you pay it and if mm -hmm. you don't pay it then they cut your lights off yes gas certain things are just non-negotiable and even went so far to say you know even luxury items has become a seller's market where like louis vuitton you haven't seen a sale rolex you're not negotiating prices of a rolex you just buy it if you can buy it. if you even yeah, you need an invitation to buy yeah it. if you're even lucky enough to even get one in reverse the seller the sellers mark the buyer's, buyer's market, market is yeah. like a flea market so like you go to a flea market somebody has a painting for a hundred dollars you say i got fifty dollars for you you settle on 75 mm -hmm. or people you know you're always doing discounts and different things of that nature 50 percent off sales stuff like that that's more of a buyer's market because now the buyer is in control and he was saying that that's not really sustainable mm -hmm. and it's not something that you want to be in as a business owner so we had a whole half an hour conversation about that. And he was saying that, you know, he didn't, he doesn't really, he's not even really a big fan of the stock market, mm -hmm. but he did say two stocks and specifically that he thought were seller with buyers yes. with sellers. Sellers, market. Yeah. He said seller market. <laughs> and, and which one were they were shot? <laughs> Please enlighten us. <laughs> we said, may have heard them. Stock he said, number one, Apple yes, and Microsoft. Mike. Right there, like put Microsoft right here. <laughs> put the logo in his hand. Yes, so, please do. So he explained he explained why he thought that Apple and Microsoft fit in that category. And he was like, you know, Apple has become such a such a necessity of life. He kind of compared it to he was like, no, you have to like food is a necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, transportation on a certain levels a necessity. Um, light is a necessity. He was like, your cell phone has become a necessity yes like it's the most it's really, affordable computer ever it's non-negotiable and especially when they have when you add in all their verticals they are in a seller's market mm -hmm. and they can constantly increase their prices they can do whatever they want and they really have no other alternative in mass to erase them 
and then he and then he started talking about Microsoft as well, mm-hmm. or all of their different verticals. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that they are in a seller's market right now. What do I know? <laughs> but everything. <laughs> so so I just thought that that was interesting. Um, so I say that to say, um, of course, Apple and Microsoft, but any anything that is a seller's market is 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 where you want to be and where you want to be invested in and where where it's non-negotiable where you have to do it mm-hmm. where the price is only going to go up over the course of time mm-hmm. um and it's just that's just what it is like imagine if there was a software company that um predicted where the market was going to go gave you the prices before hedge funds did and they were more accurate than goldman citadel Credit Suisse, right? What would that be worth? That is the Red Panda Stock Club. You can join us for shock. Put the link in bio. <laughs> Sellers market, right? Because if you frame it more accurate than Kathy, yeah, up there with no regrets. Like some of the greats of all time. I mean, I know four months ago, six months ago, that Bitcoin 20K price sounded crazy when it was at 55,000. Now people are begging to break above 24,000, hovering around 18 or 19,000. That is a, so when people even be like, well, stock club is a lot for 10 grand. Every advisor that I've ever talked to, they were like, if you, if I were you, I would be charging 10,000 per call for the prices you're giving. Seller's market. Yeah, yeah, it's a seller's market. This is the price Red is Panda, what it is. Red Panda has become a seller's market. InvestFest has become a seller's, seller's market, market. Um, because it was like, even like when we was leading up towards the InvestFest, it just, every day it just kept getting crazy and crazy. And we was worried about capacity. And I'm like, right, how do we limit capacity? Just raise the price. When we raised the price, people didn't kept stop buying it. it. Yeah, didn't stop and it. the demand grew every day. It's a different announcement. Dan Cathy and Tyler Perry and all these mm-hmm. people. And now it becomes, there's no discounts. We're not running a discount for InvestFest. There's no 50% off sale. Mm-hmm. Price is only going up. Because the value is there. The value of the brand's going up, seller's market. There's no alternative. So it's it's a seller's it's a seller's market. You've created yes. a monopoly. Now you have a seller's market. And you yeah, no different. Louis Vuitton. Seller's market. Yeah. The key is and that's the Apple vertical is crazy because they've created three different verticals that became its own seller's market. So like that's the thing. Like now that you become yeah. one, how do you create one inside of it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just a brilliant strategy. The seller's market thing, that's one of the that's one of the best things I've ever heard. And ever. I say that to say, it's like every Monday we give you advice, but sometimes you got to get the information and make your own decisions. So now you have the information about a seller's market, right? So now the homework for you is to look to see what's the top seller markets in the world, mm-hmm. right? What is it energy? Is it medicine? Is it farming? There's a, yeah. Is it, what is the top seller markets in the world, right? Research that. And research who are, who has the biggest market share, who who are the most dominant companies. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the companies that you want to be invested in, because they don't have any competition in the space, and they have to. Like one thing about it, every human being has to drink water. That's a seller's market. Yes. That's a seller's market, Make sure right? Labels you can't, covered, but yes, yeah, labels covered. <laughs> you have to drink water. You have to eat food. You have to have lights. You have to be able to go places. Like these are all sellers' markets. It's or not- in case of lobbying, homework assignment number two: Who created that there had to be uh, insurance for drivers and healthcare? Now you lobby your way into insurance being mandatory, which it is, is yeah. a sellers' market. And it is. 
Right, the biggest buildings in any city that you normally go into are either banks or insurance companies. Yeah. Find your seller's market. The interesting thing is just like open your eyes to opportunity. Yep. Like when you do that type of research, it's like I used to call it like going down the rabbit hole. And every time you went down deeper, you just found out more information. Yes. But like really walk outside. Like when we spoke to to Kaiser, we were just, he, he's just walking outside, just walking outside, looking at opportunity. Every step he took, he saw opportunity. And it was like, wait, that's how we should be looking at life. Like yeah, there's absolutely. opportunity in everything. Um, so that even doing that type of research of, of finding who has a sales mm -hmm. market, like it's gonna lead you to more information, more information. And then your lens, your perspective mm -hmm. on the world and on life is gonna change. I mean, that's the type of powerful, like in an hour, we mm -hmm. took that from a conversation. It was incredible. Yeah. And I always say Sean Parker had a great idea with Napster. The entire music industry vilified him and then was happy to do business with Steve Jobs. And then Steve Jobs came in with podcasting, which is essentially digital radio and killed radio. And even when people do podcasts, they'd be like, hey, I'm ready to pod, not knowing that the original format to broadcast on a podcast was the iPod. And <laughs> then they tied in the AirPod to it now to listen to. Yeah. So even from a subconscious branding standpoint, no one's like, yo, I'm ready to Stitcher today. Shout out to Stitcher. I love you guys. I used the app for many years, right? Um, so think of how you can even create your own seller's market in the industry for, for which you're in. Or as I used to call it, the ultimate competitive advantage. You have to be able to do something that no one else in the world can do. Amazing conversation though. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I was just reading that like last week about the branding of the word podcast and it coming from the, the, the actual iPod. Mm -hmm. I think about that. It's like Band-Aid, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yes, it, that, that abrasive he adhesive is not the word, right? We think of it as Band-Aid because that's the brand, but like podcast forever will be synonymous with iPod, which yeah. will be synonymous with Apple. And some yeah. things, some things are seller's markets like petroleum, like, you know, these things are seller's markets, but then some things are buyer's markets, but you can create a seller's market niche inside of it. So like clothes yeah. is more of a buyer's market, right? But you have some, like, let's take it even nicher, sneakers. Sneakers is really a, a, a buyer's market as yes. a whole, but you have, you have pockets like Yeezy, like Jordan brand, mm -hmm. like, you know, high-end Nike exclusive where that's actually a seller's market. So I was asking him like, well, how do you create a seller's market? How do you create your own niche in a seller's market and a buyer's market? He said, you can do it, but it's like having a needle through a haystack. It's, it's very hard. Yeah. Like Supreme, like they've been able to do that, but it took years to do that. Took time. So the easier route is just to pick a seller's market mm -hmm. as opposed to picking a buyer's market and making your services a seller's market inside of a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. So yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so when you when when you're starting your business, that's something to, to to consider, and when you're looking to invest in a business, that's something to consider. That was a point I was going to say. So for everyone who's thinking like, well, okay, you guys are mentioning business talking points sometimes marketing, but these are the things that you need to research to see what is going to become incredibly competitive and alluring to go public. So if we look at Stripe, process is very easy. They've kind of created their own seller's mm -hmm. market where I don't hear many business owners outside saying they want to use PayPal over Stripe. So when they become public and everyone asks me like, what's the IPO I'm looking forward to? That's probably the only one. PayPal had a chance in 99, 2000, 2001, but Stripe 
you don't hear all the horror stories that you used to hear in comparison to PayPal about locking up accounts for weeks or months. So they have created their own seller's market amongst the business community. And when they go public, I am pretty sure the stock is going to do pretty damn well. It'll be it's five years. The biggest IPO in history. Easily. Absolutely. Um, all right. Could the formation of BRICS be one of the greatest threats to our economy over the next 20 years? Yes. So BRICS is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Yeah, and South Africa um, all together. And so think of it going back to the basketball analogy. Maybe Russia cannot beat the United States because I've seen in the comments people are saying, well, America has the number one um, military in the world. That's true. But the war that we're fighting right now in the Russia-Ukraine war at some point that we have to put a stopping point to it because if they, energy prices have increased so much, some in some cases 10x in Europe, that if you're having to get your reserves or natural gas from Russia, they can use the commodity that they run and have a seller market on to freeze out or cause rationing in other countries. And if those are our allies, we're gonna to have to come to their aid. There are other ways that this war is gonna be fought. And with the introduction of this super team, which they've been working on this for over a decade now, if these four countries come together, it's projected by 2050 that they will be a superpower. So sometimes you may not be able to beat a competitor head on, but if Brazil, Russia, India, which is a super booming emerging economy in China, which we've talked about come together. And I have a small theory that if right now, China cannot beat the United States head up, if they cause a crash internationally, and then the superpower applies a lot more pressure at that time and buys up a lot of assets. If we have two successive crashes back to back by 2040, they'll definitely be in lead by 2050. So yes, we have a large military, but they're not playing the same kind of war game that we are playing. So keep your eye on bricks, do your research on them. And a lot of times when people cannot beat you, and this is why companies like Apple and Microsoft, they were acquired aggressively. Sometimes it's too tough to build all the pieces that you need. So like if next season, let's say hypothetically, let's say LeBron went to the Golden State Warriors. It was like, whew. NBA will be in shambles, right? They are trying to form a super team, not only economically, but geopolitically to be able to be the number one superpower in the world. And if they successfully pull that off, it would definitely do a major damage to our economy. Yeah, and here's some statistics. So four out of those five members among the world's uh, 10 largest countries by population, by area and GDP, about 23% of the gross world product combined. 23% of the world's gross product, just from those five countries. Well, the thing about it is, is, is actually, I don't know whose idea was it for team up, but it makes complete sense because mm -hmm. um, the only way you can't, if you can't beat somebody in a fight, you have to jump them. <laughs> you, 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 learn that, you learn that in the basics. Yeah. So when you look at a, a combination like that, um, when you look at Brazil, what's the strongest economy in South America, you look at India, which mm -hmm. is uh, the most 
populated them in China country in the world. Mm-hmm. China is the second most populated country in the world, vice versa. Yeah. But they're the, top, they're the top two most populated countries in the world. Mm-hmm. China is the second largest economy in the world. You look at Russia, which obviously, you know, is the biggest probably military threat to the world outside of, outside of America. And then you have South Africa, which is the largest economy in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much you're picking the top player from each continent, skipping Europe and skipping North America. Yes. That's the obvious play what they're doing. North America, obviously that's America. Europe is in bed with America. Mm-hmm. So they saying, okay, we're never gonna be accepted by y'all. We're never gonna be, we're always gonna be like, you know, stepchildren in this, in this equation. Mm-hmm. So we'll just work around you. And now we'll take, you know, South America, Asia, Mm-hmm. And the most European country in Africa, which is South America, which the eighty percent of the wealth in South America is still owned by European people of European descent. South they, Africa or South, South Africa? Africa? South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Okay. Yeah. So the Africanas, they're they're Afri- they're South African, but they're white, and they still are in control of the of the majority of the wealth in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> They have black presidents. They've had black presidents since Nelson Mandela, but they still haven't figured out how to actually transfer any economic power to black people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's so that would be a natural fit, right? Because it's like you can't, you don't have to go through, you know, a country like Nigeria where mm-hmm. it's it's a black dominated country and stuff mm-hmm. like like. All right, let's just go. We already got a connection with South Africa yeah. from a variety of different things that have happened in the past. That's easy yeah. to work with them. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that's something to definitely keep in mind yeah. and to look out for because um, the next world superpower might not be one country. As we know, we look at superpowers as one country, mm-hmm. but the next world superpower might be five countries coming together. That's and one now, unit. Yeah. yeah. And it's super t- strategic, right? It, it there was no S on bricks in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. right? So think about Let's that. Add so another it, piece, yeah. Right. So they they're looking at the globe, saying, "Who can we add?" And oh, okay, here here's a continent we haven't touched. All right, what's a what's the number one economy there? All right, let's go grab them. So super strategic, super mm-hmm. strategic, and definitely a threat. And yeah. then as we're in this conflict with Ukraine, of course, we're going to support ally, uh, excuse me, support Ukraine because they're an ally. But now. Russia has been saying, hey, well, maybe we'll just accept the yuan instead of the petrodollar for oil, which I told you guys maybe seven months ago, eight months ago. That's a very important economic linchpin because now if you remove the petrodollar as the main mechanism of buying that asset, and now you create your own currency, and I go back to my theory about how much Russia owns of Bitcoin and Ethereum, I'll go back to that and lightly tap on that door with Vitalik being Russia. If you set up cryptocurrencies and eventually these become, you have your own geopolitical or, or country-based currencies. When we go through these crashes, you're gonna want safety when transferring dollars safely and securely. And no country, even with Bitcoin, and I saw um, an article that like even countries in South America that were using Bitcoin and big fans of it, since the prices went down, they are not as big as advocates of it. You can't promote a currency brand or any entity that you, if you don't completely own majority share of it. 
So if BRICS come into play, what is to stop them from making their own crypto cryptocurrency and allowing that money to circulate? And if they remove the petrodollar as a main mechanism for buying oil from them, then where does that place us? Going back to one thing, and I have to, and I hate to say he was right, but Trump was right. We need complete energy dependence from any other country. It is a huge mistake to rely on food, water, and that water crisis is only going to get worse. Food, water, and oil selling market items. If we don't have complete dependence from other countries, we're going to be in trouble. And, and here's a complete illustration of that. When I was in Houston for the flood a few years ago, city shut down. We saw the entire country shut down over COVID. It was horrible, but it wasn't like an extinction level event or like something so catastrophic where we, did, we didn't have enough systems in place in most cities to get masks ready available. What are we going to do? So the invasion won't be troops on our ground. It may be a super power or super pack like this that could lead to the destruction. But Ray Dalio's book is probably one of the best books ever written about the economic climate and cycle that we're in. Please read it. Pages 300 through 400 is your homework assignment for next week. Please get it done. So this leads us into a very important conversation that we're going to have with a very important person. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, I got to say shout out to the great city of Chicago mm -hmm. and shout out to Chase Bank. Uh, yes. We are doing a real estate expo in Chicago this Saturday. MG, the mortgage guy, the whole the whole team, nine to five millionaire. Um, oh man, Renaissance one, two, five. It's going to be, it's going to be a vibe. So yeah. if you're in Chicago, shout out to the guy. pull up on us. Uh, <laughs> yes, information is free. Uh, it's it's going to be a vibe community event, free event for Chicago. First time in Chicago in a few years. So we're looking forward to a shout out to the shout out to Chase and shout out to Nicole. So before uh we we uh go any further with the show, we have a special segment break mm -hmm. for uh Stacey Abrams, once again, who is running for governor of Georgia, a state that's very important to us because we pretty much live in Atlanta. So um, a few businesses out of Atlanta. So yeah, so so we're gonna take a minute and um strap on your seatbelts, legendary conversation as always. And uh let's get it. All right. So we have a very special guest today, the honorable Stacey Abrams. So if you are not familiar with her, I'm assuming that you don't own a television <laughs> or perhaps you don't have a cell phone or you don't listen to radio um yes or you, or you might not have taken part in last election yes yes maybe yes. maybe many, you did. many people credit her with um joe biden's victory because she was very intricate in delivering georgia Ooh. which is that the first time ever that that's happened or the first time in a lot of I years first think, time uh, in a long time 40 yeah about 40 years the first time in 40 years that uh georgia went democrat um, but now she has aspirations of her own. She ran last time and lost by a very thin margin. So it's a neck and neck battle right now, um, to become the, the uh, governor of Georgia, mm -hmm. which is the most powerful position in the state. Mm -hmm. And, um, that will be the first time in a very long time also. And I believe the first time ever that a black woman would be the, the governor of Georgia. I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. Um, so this is a historical moment that we're in right now from a political side. This is a financial platform. So 
we have questions about the finance and about, you know, the business side of things because it's important. And I think that we have a uh, journalistic responsibility to talk to people that are in position of power or that could potentially be in very high positions of power. And especially a state like Georgia, where Atlanta, we just did Invest Fest, over 13,000 people. You actually gave a, a, a message that we played on the, on the big screen. Thank you for that. Um, but, you know, Atlanta and Georgia is, is our second home and um, one of our biggest markets. So it's, an, it's vitally important that, you know, we have this conversation. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. It's very rare that we have royalty here with us. And so, <laughs> yes. again, we appreciate you and the investment. My, my parents were talking to me about it after. They were like, oh, my God, is she backstage? Can we see? I'm like, Mom, <laughs> it's a video. She's like, oh, my God, please. I'm like, it's a video. Yes. But thank you again. So It was my honor. So, so we'll get into this uh, conversation. I guess we can just do how we usually do. We all just ask questions. So um, the first question that I have is, uh, you know, a lot of times, from the business side of things, right? So a lot of times people say that politicians don't understand business because they they were career politicians and they stifle business and they hurt business. Um, but you're actually an entrepreneur and you have a variety of different businesses. So what are some things that you've learned from entrepreneurship that you think um, you know has helped you or can potentially help you in running a very important uh, state like Georgia in, in politics? Well, the first business that I started wasn't technically considered a business. I wrote a novel when I was in law school and had to sell it during my first year as an attorney. And that taught me about marketing, but also taught me about market research. This was at the beginning of Amazon. And I had to figure out a way to break through with a black authored romance novel, which was really rare at the time to get black women, basically for black women to be published as romance novelists by big platforms. And so I needed to be the number one selling book that day. So I got all of the people I'd ever met <laughs> to buy from Amazon on the exact same day. And that catapulted me and people started asking about my book. Now it didn't last very long because some other book came out the next day, but that moment was thinking about how do you harness if you don't have the platforms people are used to, how do you use the networks that you do have to develop your marketing approach? The second business I started was a consulting firm. And that was really about how do you chase business? How do you get people to hire you when what you're selling is your mind? And different from a commodities company where you're able to sell while you sleep, you've got to be awake for consulting to work. And so that's really about how do you offer a differentiated product that people understand. And then my latest company was a company called is a company called Now Account. I'm no longer day to day with it, but that's a financial services company because I know that one of the impediments I faced in another business was access to capital. And that's something that small businesses face all the time. And in particular in Georgia, because we lost more banks than any other state during the Great Recession and black owned businesses have the least amount of access because we lost so many banks, access to capital is the difference between success and failure because it's not just about operating capital it's being able to even know where to go and having someone trust that it's worth risking when you bring that to the governor's office it's about making sure we're creating programs that actually address these challenges how do we market our small businesses we do a great job of championing big companies but how do we market our small businesses Two, 
How do we solve the challenges of those small businesses that are completely and totally driven by their, by their owner, by their entrepreneur? How do you bolster them and make sure they can do what they need? And then three, how do we make certain that we're underwriting the financial risk so that those small businesses get the capital they need to succeed? Yeah, I love that you keep talking about small businesses because that's one of the reasons we love Georgia and we love Atlanta. When we go there, we see businesses and we see people that look like us owning businesses and we see men and we see tons of women and entrepreneurs creating their own businesses. And so you also brought up programs. Can you talk to us about the Georgia Commercial Investment Program? Because this is one of those things, like how do we get capital? Where are we getting it from? How do we deploy it? Can you talk to us about that? Sure. So there are two pieces to what I want to do. One is I want to expand the purchasing power of the state. Uh, there was a report just yesterday on the local uh, television station about the fact that in Georgia, just this past year, uh, more than $7 billion in contracts were let. Less than 7% went to minority-owned and women-owned firms. And you always have to be suspicious of that number because it's different. It's different to be a person of color than it is to be a woman. And having you know, been both my entire life, I understand the different treatment that exists. But even if you combine both of those, it's less than, it's only 7.7% of the contracting that we know of. People of color are 48% of the state. To only have 7% of the contracts is absurd. And so one thing the governor can do without legislation is use Georgia's purchasing power to support small businesses by directing the Department of Administrative Services to establish and monitor targets to make certain that all the state agencies are actually purchasing intentionally from minority-owned small businesses, and also providing the technical assistance so those small businesses can actually secure and fulfill those state contracts. But the other part of that is what I call my commercial investment, my small business uh, capital investment fund, which is $10 million that would then allow those same small businesses to do, if they have to go and buy initial equipment to take the contract on, let's give you the money and underwrite your loan to get that contract. Because if you get that contract, $50,000 should not stop you from making 5 million. But for a lot of small businesses, that's the, it's the point of entry that's so expensive. In contrast, my current, the current governor is going to establish a study to look at whether or not this is a problem. You don't have to study Georgia to understand that it is a problem when 48% of your population only gets 7% of your business. And that's the conversation that's happened every year for the last 20 years. Governor after governor says, well, we'll, we'll talk about it, we'll study it. They won't move legislation to solve it. Well, as governor, you solve the problem because I don't need legislation. I can do it directly. And there was something you said at the opening. I not only will be the first black governor of Georgia, I'll be the first black woman governor in American history. Wow. And so I'm bringing to this conversation, not only the skills, but a very strong sense of urgency around solving this problem. Because if we don't tackle it, it will be 100 years, not, not 10, not 20, 100 years before we close the gap between minority-owned businesses and non-minority firms in the state of Georgia. Uh, tying into that point, after your victory, let's speak that into existence, um, what, what initiatives will be put in place to help close that racial wealth gap? And because Atlanta is such a mecca for African-American and African-American entrepreneurs in the state of Georgia is amazing, what plans can entrepreneurs look forward to that you'll put in place that will help so us close that gap? 
Absolutely. So the commercial investment program is a big one because the state spends billions of dollars on a range of things. So it's not just construction contracts for DOT, it's who's providing food at events that the state is doing. It's who's doing janitorial services, who is providing the paper. All of those purchases are purchases that the state can direct. And so the Georgia Commercial Investment Program is part of it. But the other part is the Supplier Diversity Initiative. And that is, I'm gonna make certain that state agencies, all of them, when they procure goods and services, that they have to actively seek out and support new suppliers that are owned by groups that are un underrepresented. And that includes people of color, veterans, the disabled, women, but all of those groups have to be given primacy. And because in Georgia, those groups often overlap, by targeting these communities, we actually hit the broadest swath of possibilities. I also wanna make certain that major state contractors have to implement their own programs for mm. supplier diversity. Why should the state contract with someone who is not looking at the whole state as viable? And then the last big thing for me is what I call cluster contracts. So you have these big companies that bid on these major contracts, billion dollar contracts. If you're a small company, if you can, you can't bite off a billion dollars, but you could do about 200 million. Right now, you're not permitted to participate. Instead, they give it to the big company and they tell the big company, oh, give them 10%. The 10% rarely materializes or it always goes to the same small company they've always given it to. I want to create what I call cluster contracts, letting two or three or four businesses come together to bid on that contract. So you have four companies that instead of all trying to compete for this $1 billion contract, they instead get 150 million, 250, 350 of that contract, but they can all grow at the same time mm. and they're hiring new people. And when you combine that with the small business investment fund that can underwrite the capital risk and you're directing technical assistance to make sure they can actually participate in the process, because if you've ever tried to bid on a state contract or even a city contract, procurement's hard. Yeah. I was the lawyer for one of the lawyers for procurement at the city of Atlanta. And so for me, it's not just about what I know as an entrepreneur, it's also what I know as someone who's been on the delivery side of government, not just running for office, but actually having to do the work of making it happen. And so those are three big opportunities. I'm talking billions of dollars that can suddenly be in the hands and in the pockets of people of color, of black people in particular, because we're 33% of the population, we're 2.1% of the business revenue in Georgia. Mm. So let me ask you this um, for education. I saw you was talking to a little baby the other day and you was kind of educating him on um, why a governor is so important. Can you just explain? So there's no black governors currently, right? Correct. All right. So there's no black governors, governors currently in, in America. And from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason why that's such a, a, a big issue and the reason why the governor is so important is that the governor is really the most powerful person in the state because they control budgets, they control a lot of the state issues, even more so than state representatives or senators. And the president um, doesn't really have power on a state level. This is why like COVID is so many different rules exactly. depending on which, yeah. which state you're in. So can Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You give us an education on why the governor is so important and why people need to pay more attention to who their governor is? Absolutely. So let's let's think about it this way. When we think about the structure of government, we have been trained to focus on the president because that's the most powerful job in the nation. And for black and brown people, it's also been incredibly important because states have often refused to acknowledge our citizenship and our humanity. So let's, I'll use three examples. Stand your ground, the law that killed Trayvon Martin, that wasn't federal law, that was signed by the governor of Florida. That's how stand your ground became, but once it happens in a state, it spreads like contagion. So now you've got stand your ground in Georgia and everywhere else. Number two, mass incarceration did not start with the 94 crime bill. Three strikes you're out was actually done by the governor of California in 1994. The federal government decided to follow, but it started with the governor. And Jim Crow, the stripping black people of humanity for 150 years, never had a single federal law. It was all state laws signed by governors. And so when we think about how our lives are lived, we think about the presidency because it's national or the mayor because it's hyper-local. But all the money that comes from the federal government comes through the state, the governor decides. All of the things your mayor wants to do in the South, especially in Georgia, has to be approved by, if it's a big program, it has to be approved by the governor. One example is that in, 20, in 2003, I worked for Shirley Franklin. We, I wrote the first living wage law in the history of the state of Georgia. It would have guaranteed that any company doing business in Georgia had to pay a living wage. It could have transformed the economies of thousands of Georgians. We got that legislation through the city council, the mayor signed it, and the following January, the governor signed a law making it illegal for any city to pass a law guaranteeing a wage. That's what the state does. If you're worried about housing, the governor has to sign legislation that says that it's a, that local government has the authority to actually enforce housing rules and make sure that you can afford to live in the home that you live in. But for business owners, where the governor is so incredibly important is that most of the decisions we think have to be made by committee in Georgia gets made by the governor. Right now, the governor of Georgia is spending billions of dollars. Every time you hear him announce money that's being, uh, that COVID money that's being spent, 
he doesn't have to ask a single person for permission. Mm. He decides by himself with whomever he decides to bring in the room, how he wants to spend that money. So the question is, whose name do you want to have on the checkbook? Someone who does not believe in investing in communities of color, someone who has never demonstrated any interest until it was election year, or someone who has come up the hard way through our business community and through our city and state who has the knowledge and experience, but also now the authority to get good done. And the shorthand is imagine Maynard Jackson and what he did for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he had been governor of Georgia. That's the kind mm-hmm. of governor I could be. Wow. Yeah. So in order to have the right governor, you have to mobilize people to vote. And one of the things that you did in general election, and rightfully so, you were credited with helping win Georgia and ultimately winning the general election for uh, Biden was getting people out. Um, but when you get people out in numbers, c- certain things start to change and you start to see more voter suppression and you see more voter uh, discrimination. So my question to you is like, what do we do now, right? It feels like we have to press the reset to make sure that people understand the influence and impact that this is gonna have. And so is there education around it? How are we telling the, the, the people, the, the population of Georgia like, hey, there are some changes Here's what you need to know before you go out. Well, most of my entrepreneurship has focused on business oriented things because I I grew up poor. I didn't like it and don't ever want to do it again. Uh, And (laughs) I I like being able to take care of myself and take care of my family. But I've also been very aggressive about nonprofit work and civic work. So I created the New Georgia Project. I'm no longer affiliated with it, but I launched the New Georgia Project in 2013. That's the organization that did a lot of the work on getting people registered. I created Fair Fight, which is the work that we've been doing to make sure that we have fair voting laws, or if the laws are not fair, that we know why they're not fair and we fight back. I created the organization Fair Count. Fair Count made certain that we had an accurate census for the first time in 30 years, actually counting black and brown folks. And it was the first year in almost 30 years we did not have a statistical undercount. And that matters to businesses because the money that comes to the state through the SBA and through all of these different grants and loans, it's all based on the accurate count of the people in your state. So when black people get undercounted, we also get under-resourced. So those are the groups I've started. And part of what all of those groups are doing, independent of me, independent of my campaign, but they are embedded in community, making sure people understand what the voting laws are, what changed, what stayed the same, and why it matters. Separately, our campaign is doing that same work through our voter protection efforts. That's why we're urging people to vote early. We get three weeks of voting in Georgia starting October 17th. Because of how difficult these new laws are, because of the hurdles that Brian Kemp and Brad Raffsenberger have put in place, do not get distracted by the fact that they didn't commit treason. The same time they were not committing treason, they were also putting in more voter suppression laws. And because of those new voter suppression laws, we need folks to vote early to get it out of the way. In Georgia, we have the number one likelihood of having long lines in black communities, up to eight hours. Mm. And so if we want people to be able to vote, we need to get our votes banked. We need to get it done and get on with our lives. And that means voting as much as possible, as early as possible. And when I say as much as possible, I mean getting as many people as possible. (laughs) Nobody should vote more than once. I don't want anyone to take me out of context. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what words of encouragement do you have uh, for the citizens of Georgia 
who may feel as if no matter what they do, if they vote early or they bring friends with them, it won't have an impact on the outcome. I have proven mm -hmm. that it matters. In 2018, I didn't become governor by 54,723 votes. That's you two know. concerts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's two concerts. And there were enough people. Now, there were a lot of people who tried to vote who weren't allowed to participate in our elections. But there were a lot more people who didn't think their voices mattered. Mm. And it's a truism. But if your voice didn't matter, they wouldn't be working so hard to stop you from being heard. That's true. But the other part of it is, and, and it's a legitimate critique, for a lot of folks, they've never seen their lives change. It didn't really matter who got elected because their lives stayed the same. You've never had anyone like me running for office. What I like to describe is not what I did before I ran, but when I didn't win, I still made sure that I helped pay off the medical debt of 68,000 Georgians, especially people who want to start their own businesses, because we know that medical debt often stops you from being able to do anything. I made sure that people got access to the COVID vaccine. I started at a company that was moving millions of dollars to small businesses. I made sure that if you were on EBT when you weren't getting the stimulus checks, that we got a $1,000 check written to a bunch of families across Georgia who weren't getting the money they needed. That's what I do when I don't have the job. Imagine what I would do if I had the job. So I'm not asking people to forget what they know. I'm asking them to believe what they see. Yes, the current governor reopened the state, but he also, he also passed a law making it illegal for anyone who got harmed, any essential worker, to sue their boss for not having protection. We have one of the highest rates of death from COVID in the nation. And so, yes, some people benefited, but most of our businesses didn't get a dime of PPP. He got money. He gave a $694 million contract to his friends for giving him money in his campaign. My mission has been and always will be, how do you invest in people to make sure they thrive? Because I've been at the bottom and I don't, I don't wanna be there and I don't think anyone else needs to be there. If you're willing to work for it, my mission is to work with you, but I've got to get the job first. And that's why I need folks to show up. Uh, let me ask you this. Something that's very um, hot in the news, Joe Biden's, President Biden's plan um, to uh, get rid of student loans for $10,000 mm -hmm. um, if you make under $125,000 a year and $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients for the same income threshold. So it's kind of controversial. Of course, um, some people are saying that, you know, they don't want to pay for somebody else's college education is uh, government handouts, different things of that nature. Um, some people are saying that it's not enough money. Um, it's not fully really going to impact um, black America in the way that it should because it's not enough. What is your thoughts on a student loan crisis and what is your thoughts on what he proposed? And what are some ideas that, that you have? So I, I begin with my faith values. I don't begrudge another person's blessing. Mm. That $10,000, that $20,000 can be the difference between someone else's child being able to get an education and rise out of poverty. That can be the difference between someone being able to take care of their family member who has cancer. I want people to be able to have those blessings. And I paid off my student loans. I paid them off in January of 2019. 
I know the, the relief I felt, but I also know the burden I carried mm. for years when I indeed had to make choices between paying my student loans and taking care of my family. And so I don't begrudge a person getting access to those resources. It of course is not enough because we have a broken system in this country. When my parents were going through college, even though they weren't able to fully leverage it because they were they grew up during Jim Crow, those the ability to go to college was not the difference between your future and not having a future, but it also wasn't mortgaging your future. And so we have to tackle the broken nature of student debt in this in the United States. But this is an important start and it is more than we had the day before and that's critical to me. But what we have to layer on top of it is the fact that for many black and a lot of black folks that money is going to matter because we are more likely to finish to be in debt, but not have the degree to go with it. And so while it is not enough, it is more than we have and it is substantial because we're also more likely to qualify for the 20,000 than the 10,000 because more of our people are in that bracket where we were also relying on Pell Grants. And I say we, cause I was, mm -hmm. but what I wanna do for Georgia is layer on top of that by making sure we're not creating a deeper hole. And that's why I wanna restore free technical college in the state of Georgia. Once the Hope Scholarship was created between the creation of the Hope Scholarship and 2011, technical college was free. Because we had to save the Hope Scholarship from economic ruin, we had to decrease the award for what was called the Hope Grant. But we now have a billion dollars sitting in an unrestricted, unreserved fund that could be used right now mm. to do exactly what we used to do. And that helps a lot of black and brown folks, especially a lot of black folks throughout the state of Georgia. So I want to restore that. Number two, I want to create need-based aid in Georgia. Georgia is one of only two states in the country that does not provide need-based aid, the only one in the South, which means if you want to see your way to college, you better not have a C average. That should not be the choice. And for black students in Georgia, black students are the least likely to get hope and the most likely to lose hope. But if we had need-based aid, we could fill in the gap. That, when you tie that to what's happening on the federal level, creates new opportunity. But the way to pay for it is critical. And that is that I want to use that unrestricted money that we already have, but I also want to expand gaming in Georgia, sports betting mm -hmm. and casinos. That would generate $350 million a year upwards in order to invest in that education. And since it is our people who are spending money in the lottery, but we are the least likely to see the benefit, let's make certain that if we're going to have gaming, that our people benefit from that process. And that's my plan as the next governor. Yeah, I'm glad that we brought up education and obviously free technical schools and teaching people skills are very important. Uh, one of the things that are near and dear to me, and I'm glad you brought it up was Increasing the pay for teachers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, increasing the pay for teachers is the most important job in the world. Everybody was taught and everybody learned that at some point throughout their life, they definitely went to school. So can you talk about that? Because I know that was one of the things that, that you've been talking about uh, throughout your campaign, increasing the pay for teachers, but also lowering the cost for healthcare for over 500,000 Georgians. Can you talk about how we get to that point? Absolutely. So in Georgia, we pay teachers who are starting out less than they make in Mississippi. Now, I grew up in Mississippi. That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That Mississippi can afford to pay more, but Georgia can't. My opponent, the current governor, has said that he gave them $5,000 over four years, and that's enough. I will tell you, it's not enough because in real dollar terms, 
teachers today make less money than they made 20 years ago. So the wow. purchasing power of that dollar is less. I want to right size their salaries by making sure that the starting salary in Georgia by the end of my term is $50,000. And at the same time, I want to increase pay for all educators by an average of $11,000. That means that we really truly create a meaningful change in their wages that is sustainable. I also want to make certain we're giving that same, we're giving similar pay raises, although it's gotta be done a little differently because they're paid by the school district and not by the state, but we need to increase pay for paraprofessionals, for school bus drivers, for cafeteria workers. You shouldn't work to educate our children and still be in poverty. That doesn't make any sense. And it is a solvable problem. At the same time, we know the other biggest driver of economic need and economic paucity in, in, in Georgia, and the best way to, to financial freedom is having insurance. Right now, health insurance is being denied to people who are making $9 an hour or less. And when you are starting your own small business, you probably can't afford health insurance for yourself, let alone for your employees. Well, in Georgia, we are forfeiting $3.5 billion every year that we've already paid for, but that the governor refuses to bring to the state. If we expand Medicaid, working people who make too much money to qualify for regular Medicaid, because for regular Medicaid, you gotta be not only completely broke, but you also have to have a dependent or be disabled or be a senior, or you have to be able to buy into the Affordable Care Act, buy into Obamacare, and you have to make a, a not a lot, but a, a lot more money than those making $9 an hour do. I wanna get that population. Those are our students who are finishing college, but they, they aren't on their parents' insurance and they need insurance. And if we ever thought that you didn't need insurance if you were young, let's think about COVID. Let's think about monkeypox. But I also want those folks who are starting their business, who wanna quit their job, but can't afford to leave because they can't afford to lose their health insurance. And so their dreams die because they can't afford to go. If we expand Medicaid, we can do all of that. And we can pay for both of these things. Medicaid is 297, 297 million a year. And to overall do the salary increases is $400 million. We have a $5 billion surplus in Georgia. Hmm. Once we paid every bill, once we have put money into our savings account, 15%, once we've accounted for growth in population, we have five to six billion dollars just sitting there. My opponent says that he wants to do tax cuts. What he means is he wants to give tax breaks to the wealthiest Georgians because the average Georgian will see $193. The wealthiest Georgians will see $10,000 or more. I want to instead pay our teachers, pay for health and health care, save the Atlanta Medical Center, keep doctors in our state, invest in small businesses, all of the things I'm talking about, he wants to give the money to the wealthy. I wanna spend the money on the people and we can do every single thing I'm talking about without raising a dime in taxes. And if you don't trust me, go to my website. I'm a big old nerd. We have a, web, we have a spreadsheet on my website that walks you through how the math works. We can absolutely do this. I remember in 2007, I was in Midtown when the last big recession hit driving to Norcross and remembering how fearful I was about when the recession was going to end. Tying to your last point, can you talk to us about the dangers of the economy in Georgia and how it would be impacted negatively if you don't win um, 
as governor and some of the things your opponent plans to do and plans to cut uh, if he wins? So let's look back to what he did before Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, and our Democrats in Congress sent billions of dollars to the state of Georgia. He slashed $1 billion from education. He cut the criminal justice reform programs, the recidivism programs, the diversion programs. He cut resources for education, for healthcare. His response to need is not to solve the problem, it's to blame the victim. He wants to pick your pockets instead of putting money in your pockets. Now, he likes to talk broadly about who he benefits, but if you look at the numbers, the people who were falling are still falling. The people who are holding on are holding on by their fingernails. And he refuses to invest in their success. Let's look at housing. Georgia has an affordable housing crisis. We're only the eighth largest state, but we are number three in eviction filings and number four in actual evictions. And this isn't just Atlanta, this is across the state. I was down in Thomasville and they wanted to talk about the eviction rate down there. So this is a statewide issue. Well, the governor's response is to spend $62 million on homelessness programs. He will not invest in actually building the 207,000 units of affordable housing that we need. He will not work with our local governments to let them right size rent and inclusionary zoning. And so the current governor does not believe it's his job to help Georgia. His job is to have the the headlines, not to read the fine print. Mm. My mission is the fine print. And if we have a recession, if we have taken that $5 billion and just given it to the wealthy, then everybody else is gonna pay for it because that's what happens every single time. But if we keep that money, it's like making a balloon payment on your mortgage. We can put in a balloon payment for the state that helps build all of these things I'm talking about. So if something does happen, we've already built it into the budget. We're no longer paying extraordinary interest. We're just paying principal. That's what this could be used for. I want to do a balloon payment for Georgia so that if we get hit by a recession, our natural resources, the money we're going to make no matter what, will be enough to cover everything I'm talking about without raising taxes, but also we won't dip so low because we're suddenly seeing catastrophic effects on the poorest people because all of us pay the bill. Poverty isn't free. Yeah. All of us pay for it. And I'm the only person with a plan to make sure we do enough upfront that when it hits, we're ready for it and we can all get through it. Can you talk about the um, supplier diversity initi- initiative that you're proposing? Yeah. Yeah, so part of the supplier diversity initiative is that the state spends billions of dollars every single year buying services. Right now, you'll hear some folks who can get the janitorial service or they'll get hired to provide paper. I wanna make sure we're also hiring lawyers, that we're hiring uh, financiers, that we're hiring from every strata. But I also wanna make certain it's not just certain departments. The Department of Aging has to buy something. Let's make sure they're buying from people who look like Georgia. When the Department of Behavioral Health has to hire, let's make certain when they are buying and purchasing, no matter which agency it is, they need to be looking at the diversity of their supply chain, especially DOT. DOT is going to get billions of dollars every year now because of the bipartisan infrastructure plan. That Those billions of dollars right now 
are going 90% to majority owned firms, not to minority owned firms. These are billions of dollars that we help bring here because we participated in these elections and we are half of the state. The same thing is true with the Infrastructure Reduction Act, the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act is going to send billions to the state of Georgia. But right now, there's nothing to say that businesses of color, that black businesses get any of those contracts. And the response from the governor is, he'll look at it. Well, they've been looking at this for 40 years. They've never managed to do anything. I say hire somebody who's actually proven she'll do the work. Royalty, royalty, indeed. (laughs) Uh, Stacey Abrams. Uh, when, when in January, when we you've won the seat, I'm interested in knowing because I'm sure you have it planned out. What are the first thirty days look like? What what initiatives are you putting in place right away? What are some things that you're going to overturn that you know are not going to work for the state anymore? Number one, my first initiative is Medicaid expansion. Mm. Medicaid expansion is the single largest economic development program in Georgia history. If you think about Rivian, he's going to spend about one point five billion dollars to build electric cars. And that's good. And that's going to create thousands of jobs, but it's going to be localized in Monroe County. It's going to be localized to those who can get jobs in that industry. If we expand Medicaid, we create 64,000 jobs across the state. And here's the way to think about it. The jobs are going where the people who don't have insurance are. So Mm. it's going to absolutely get to every part of the state. And it's going to get to the communities in the state that have not had access because those are the folks who suddenly are going to have the health insurance they need to get mental health care, to get physical health care. And when those new doctors come in, they're going to need to go eat somewhere. So somebody who started their small restaurant, they're going to suddenly have customers. We're going to need pharmacists. We're going to need construction. Medicaid expansion is number one. Number two, I'm going to repeal criminal carry. We know that that law has made Georgia less safe. And particularly for black men, I want you all to think about what that law means. By removing that permit, that means if you get pulled over, you don't get the presumption that you have the right to carry that concealed weapon and you can't pull out your permit to show them that it's yours. You are presumed guilty by and large if that happens. And that's Mm. the worry I have. But it's also true that we've got stories right now of people wandering down the street by our schools open carrying weapons. We have removed the background checks that used to happen with private sales and gun sales. That's what that constitutional carry, which is a lie. What criminal carry did was strip away a background check that protected us from 11,000 people who shouldn't have had those weapons. Number three, I'm going to repeal the ban on abortion after six weeks. And this should matter to every person, whether whether you're a woman or not. Because in the state of Georgia, Women are now told you have to decide about your pregnancy before you know you're pregnant. And this has economic effects across the board. And in particular, black women are most likely to die from maternal mortality issues than any other race. And it is worse in Georgia than it is in any other state. And Brian Kemp is refusing to act. In fact, he said he's going, he doesn't believe there should be exemptions for rape or incest. We have to understand that when a woman is forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term, the likelihood of her going into poverty increases, I think, by 40%. The likelihood of her being on food stamps within four years or within five years goes up dramatically. This has a real economic effect, but it also is costing us jobs. 
The gun law cost us $50 million because Music Midtown is not here in Georgia. Mm. We, I know Antoine Fuqua pulled a movie out of Georgia with the, when the voting rights law came through. Think about all of the different um, films that won't come to Georgia because women are like, I'm not coming here because I don't know what's going to happen to me on a year long shoot. We are risking a $4 billion industry. And for people who say, well, no, we're all set. We've got Perry Studios and we've got, you know, the studio in in Fayetteville. Let's remember, Georgia got the film industry by taking it from Michigan and from North Carolina when they got Republicans. Y'all may not be old enough to remember Dawson's Creek, but I remember when everything we saw on TV was filmed in North Carolina. Absolutely. What happened? They got a Republican governor who started doing very hardcore right wing things and the money and the business left. If we don't think it can leave Georgia, we're not paying attention. I truly think you can be a linchpin for not only a change in Georgia, but throughout the United States of America. What are the three things we can do and our audience can do to support you to make sure that you win? Number one, talk about this conversation. There's a notion that there is an enthusiasm it's not that there's no enthusiasm it's that people don't trust Mm. we've had a long six years (laughs) and people are just they're exhausted but i need folks to understand the importance of what a governor can do and how it can change the future of our state and so number one i need you to talk to your friends your family about this race and about why this race matters number two i need you to make a plan to vote Don't think, oh yeah, I'm gonna vote, I'm gonna vote. Write it down, make a plan because life happens. Yeah. And when life happens, I lose (laughs) if y'all haven't made a plan. So make a plan to vote. And then number three, go to our website and sign up, be a volunteer. If you, we can use all the help we can get because part of it is reaching the people who don't know that they should be listening to this amazing podcast, who don't know that they have a chance to start their own business, who don't understand what their real opportunities could look like if there was a governor who saw them as opportunity and not as a burden. My Mm. mission is for every Georgian to thrive. And that's not a slogan. That's a mission statement. Everything I have done in my life is geared towards lifting our communities up. And so if you will sign up to work with our campaign, if you're an influencer, if you're creative, if you are someone who has four minutes off and you want to make a few phone calls for us or knock some doors in your neighborhood, whatever it is, if you go to stacyabrams.com slash volunteer, we can use you. We need your help because we can win this race. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. You're going to see a lot in the polls. The polls are based on the last election. They look at the model from what happened before. The way we win, the way I've won three different races, Mm -hmm. Biden's race, Warnock's race, Ossoff's race, is by thinking about what's possible. If business owners only ever did what was already done, we'd never have entrepreneurship. True. My mission is to think about what we can create. And we can create an electorate that is so electrified and so engaged that the numbers can't see them until we show up. And that's what I need you guys to help me do. Thank you. It's been an honor and pleasure. When, when is the election day? It, the election is on November 8th, but early voting starts on no, October 6th. Sorry, October 17th is the start of early voting. Election day is November 8th. Make a plan to vote. Vote as early as you can. And let's get this done. Yeah, listen, if, 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 little, if little baby's not available, you have our number. <laughs> We're there for you. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm going to remind y'all y'all said that. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you. 
Um, keep up the great work. And um, yes, feel free to come back whenever you would like. Yeah, thank you so much. Truly honor. And thank you thank for what you, for you all time. do. It truly matters. Uh, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you. that. Thank you. Take care. Wow. Everyone, right now, write down a date in the chat for when you're going to go vote. Please write a date down. That was an amazing conversation. Yeah. Very rare. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important to have those conversations. Um, and people can make a decision for themselves. I personally want to kind of stay apolitical because I think we have we have a journalistic responsibility not to necessarily pick a candidate, um, mm -hmm. but I definitely like her for sure. But I just think it's our responsibility to um, deliver the information. And she's, she's a very important person and mm -hmm. she's she could potentially be one of the most important people in the world, mm -hmm. world leader. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Like I said, the, the, the governor, governors have a lot of power, but especially a state like Georgia, which is has the largest airport in America, uh, thriving economy, Atlanta, variety of different things. So if you're, if you're the governor of the state of Georgia, you're one of the most powerful people in America. And if you're one of the most powerful people in America, you're one of the most powerful people in, in the world. So that's, that's, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, I just strongly encourage everybody to just be more politically active mm -hmm. because it comes down to business and this is a business show, investing show, but it all, it's all um, related. It all ties so, in, for you know, sure. you talk about politics, especially on a local levels. So your governor, your town supervisor, your mayor, your town clerk, all of that stuff is important. So you should, you know, you should, you should participate in the political process. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you which party to vote for, but I think that you should be engaged and I think that you should participate um, because if you don't, there's still going to be elections. Somebody's still going to win and they're still going to have a say over, you know, you and your family's life on a certain level, as far as, um, you know, different policies and different things of that nature. So it's important to, to be aware and to participate. Yeah, I think you, you said it right, politically uh, active, but also politically aware, right? So we know Stacey Abrams is running for the governor of Georgia, but there's plenty of people who don't live in Georgia who have no idea who's running for governor in their own state or who's running for the local official in their own city or town supervisor in their own town. And so just being aware of these things can alleviate a lot, right? Once you're mm -hmm. aware, now you can educate yourself. Now you can make a decision. It's one of those things in teaching. It was like, I'm never going to, especially in health, I would always tell kids, like, I'm never going to tell you what to do or what not to do. I'm going to give you all the information I know as, as much as possible, yeah. and I'll let you make your own decision. Because that's what's going to happen anyway. You're going to make your own decision. So, um, yeah, man, political awareness and activeness. I think a lot of times people in business don't think about the ramifications of the political landscape. But for my entrepreneurs and business owners, I want you to look at this as if, like, honestly, disbursement of capital from governments was originally the first venture capital firms. So the same way you would know about Andreessen Horowitz, the same way you would know about a lot of companies in Silicon Valley, you have to know what's going on in the political process. Even for me, when I moved to Texas, it was like no state income tax. And I was living in Colorado. I'm like, I need to make an adjustment because I can project future earnings. So I think we need to put a little bit more focus on that political process how money is dispersing what's happening in. Shout out to Spike Lee zooming in on me. I don't know. It's kind of wave feature. I don't know. I got to figure out like this magic wand thing. Um, 
but for the close-up, um, we have to figure out the process and make it a part of our business metrics because sometimes we may have to move to another state or be aware of what's coming in the pipeline. So it's incredibly important for you to be aware of this political process, even though you may not think it has an effect on your business. It definitely does. Yes. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. All right. Yes. Legendary yes. conversation. As always, and as we said, you know, it's when we have, we bring political figures on, it's important, especially for the finance uh, show to bring the political figures on highly respected people in this, in this, in this space. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily for us to tell you guys what to do, um, but it's, it's to provide as much information as possible. And then you can make an educated decision for yourself. But um, you know, you definitely have to take opportunity to talk to world leaders, potential world leaders when you have an opportunity to. And um, she's definitely um, at the forefront of the political process behind the scenes and now in front of the scenes as well. So, um, you know, that was a very important conversation that we had to have mm -hmm, uh, and, and Market Mondays. And, um, you know, we welcome other politicians to come on as well if they're interested in explaining their economic blueprints and and how they can, um, you know, potentially make change and how the political process works because education is very, very important. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. with Market Mondays, you're always going to get the highest level of information and it's not just investing stock information, political information as well, because it, it, it's all related. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up education and I'm glad she got to speak about education because a lot of times it gets left out and it's obviously the most important piece to mm -hmm. our, you know, the future of our society, right? Like we're all going to have to learn at some point or we're going to be left behind. And so I'm glad that she got to speak on that. Uh, yeah. So another legend to everyone. Absolutely. And, uh, Ryan Coogler or Dennis, can you teach me how to get my auto zoom fixed so it doesn't <laughs> pan? You know, I'm trying to get the, the little theatrical the cinematic, but not when I don't want it. No, I had a, a great time uh, talking to Stacey. I love her energy. I love the plan um, that she has. And it's it's not easy being in that political spotlight. So, but I would definitely love to talk to more politicians because like I said, that is one of the crown jewels in business to be able to get to a point where you can influence or impact that political landscape. So yeah, that was a very uh, good conversation. Yeah, and she has a finance uh, background. I mean, she she spoke briefly about now, you know, the company that she created. Yeah. But I remember when people were trying to tell us about now, I'm like, wait, I, how, how come we don't know about this? They're like, oh yeah, Stacey Abrams actually created yeah. it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It's very true. The rumors that you heard, Market Monday, <laughs> biggest, where the most influential people have to come. Uh, the most influential people in business, Mark Cuban, Mike Novogratz, things of that nature. Uh, the most influential people in politics. Stacey Steve Abel. Harvey blesses with some gems. Yes. Oh, By yeah. risk to reward ratio, like, please go listen that. to the episode. Yeah. Well, Let's not forget that's that. That's what I was going to get to the next, mo the most important people in entertainment. Mm -hmm. Of course, the legendary Steve Harvey, people of that nature. So we're covering all bases. Why not? Entertainment. All you have to do is execute. Entertainment, politics, business, investing, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. You name it. Who's next? Who would you guys like to see in a political space? Put your top three people in entertainment, top three in investing, top three people. And you know what was not on that seller's list? Podcasting. <laughs> I'm going to drive this point home for a reason. Intentionally. You have to make, well, I'll leave that point. How many podcasts make $5 million a year? We can table it for next week. Or Bye. more. Five million. 
don't know, man. It's tough, Pod- man. Podcasting is a buyer's market. But we've Apple, created, you should call. We've created a luxury. <laughs> we've created a luxury brand uh, in the podcast space. Uh, higher level of uh, yes. entertainment and education combined with we um, we have become yeah. the luxury the luxury brand of podcasting. Yeah, and we're educating in the space too. Shout out to Angie. Shout out to Angie. Oh, Angie shout, out to Angie. Shout, out to, shout out to Angie. Uh, legendary Angie. Hopefully, Martinez. y'all checked that out. That was a uh, shout out to again, nostalgic Jalen Rose. And then, I mean, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's nostalgic, man. The voice and that new series is amazing, too. Uh, podcast is going crazy. Uh, yeah, shout yeah, out yeah. to Angie Martinez. Yeah, real life. yeah, yes, that was dope for us, man, to actually be able to chop it up with yeah. a, legend, a legend, somebody that we grew up watching. How uh, did that feel to have that moment? Because I'm, I'm a fan. Like, you know, I love Angie because she, even though she kept the Tupac interview in the vault for 30 years. We spoke about it. We spoke about it. We spoke about it. We spoke about it. She ever going to put it out? No. Um, She's working on it. She's trying to, but she said it's a lot of, it's very controversial. She got to wait till damn everybody pass. Even then it might be. (laughs) A lot of things were said that was just, you know, kind of hard to to Shout out Pac, shout out Muta. But yeah, she did. But yo, it's it's tough, man. It's it's like. You know, like listening to somebody when you're 10 years old and now sitting in front of them and they're interviewing you. Yeah. I don't even know how to really explain it, but it's just nostalgic. I mean, she is, for New York City, man, she's mm-hmm. the voice, right? There hasn't been anybody that has been as consistent or been around as long as her and has been as influential in the space, yeah. especially in, in broadcasting. Um, and she's just extremely humble. So like we did the show, but we spoke to her for like two and a half hours after the show, just kicking it about, business and you know this this space in general um just a just a, a, a an amazing human being man so we look forward to doing some more stuff man she, it was incredible what's the top two lesson that you guys learned from you know i gotta squeeze and for everyone watching we didn't talk about this prior to so this is just for me but write your notes what are like two lessons that you got from maybe one broadcast and the one on business because her ability like her voice is so unique that if you hear it anywhere no one sounds like her so what is like maybe one broadcasting tip you got from her Broadcasting, yeah. I think, I mean, even before this era of, of recording all content, she was doing that. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, from the nineties, like she's recorded all her content. She, she, you know, she's has all the audio for it. She's created series. But one thing that I didn't know, and probably most people don't know is that she does a lot of the editing for her wow. shows. And I was like, I'm like, wait, huh? She's like, yeah, I, I'm, she's like, I'm the best editor in the world. Like I'm the best editor that you know. And I'm sitting there with Brandon, like, yo, B, you, he's, she's like, I don't care. I'm the best editor you know. So she knows the clips. She knows what people are going to be drawn to. She knows mm-hmm. the questions that she's going to ask prior to, and she knows how she's going to frame them. Um, so she's like one of those things where it's like learn everything in your craft because Absolutely. you never know when you're not going to have somebody to not do it for you and you'll be left doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. She's taking that and just mastered it. Yeah, so she, I mean, she's a master at, at what she does, man. She's incredible. Yeah. Shout out to Angie, man, and and just the um, the way that she she articulates herself, and she's she's very talented. Like she's very witty and funny, and you know her response times is you know I mean she's been doing it for thirty years, so obviously yeah. you know she's learned a lot. But um, very 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 like on point with everything, like very smooth conversation. And then we spoke to her like two hours afterwards about podcasting space, and you know just talking about different stuff. So very personable person shout out to her shout out to her husband aronde um good dude as well he's a big he's actually the one that put her on to earn your leisure so um 
Yeah, man, that was That's dope. Fire. Dope us, man, for sure. Shout out to Angie. Very, very down to earth person, cool person. And it was it was a dope experience. Sure. Yeah, she's master how to like be a star but not take away from the guests. So even like pace and timing, when she laughs, like it's a bunch of little things that for those of you that are into broadcasting yeah. and podcasting, you can take from her and giving her room to breathe. Um, yeah, I can't wait to, to hear the interview. I know yeah. that's gonna be I, I kind of stole that from her. Like when you walk into a space, it feels like she knows you. <laughs> like mm -hmm. she's talking to like she feels like she knows you. And so that's one of those things. And I spoke to Dave Shans about that too. He was like, What's one of those things that you do? I'm like, I want to know the person before they come in the room. Cause just, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know exactly who you are. I want to know what you've done. I want to know your birthday and all that. And it, it just adds to it. Like, you know what? I'm, yeah. It makes the person feel extremely important. Yeah. Like, yo, this is valuable. Like, you know what, what I'm here for. Even Dap has said that to us. Like, yo, y'all know a lot. I come into mm -hmm. some of these spaces. They like, tell us about who you are again. Yeah. So like having that type of research, having that understanding of the value of the person, like, cause they're taking their time out to come be interviewed. Mm -hmm. So you want to know exactly what, you know, what they're about and all the things that they like, cause it just adds to the conversation. Yeah. She's a, and she's a master at that. Absolutely. And it allows for a better interview as well. Um, if you look at, uh, I know Kara Swisher, this is the last year she's doing like the, the recode conference, but she had that legendary interview with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates across from each other. And same mm -hmm. thing, if you like look when she interviewed them, it was the same thing, like making them feel vulnerable, knowing so much giving them time to speak and not trying to eat up attention. So there's a lot of great lessons in that. Um, Cause even those interviews, those interviews can move culture, move product, move brand, have a huge impact. And uh, at a time when Apple needed it and Steve Jobs needed it for the rebrand, um, that interview helped put Apple in a, in a positive light. And Angie's done that for a lot of artists. And so have you guys, so yeah, I can't wait to see the interview. Yeah. Shout out to Angie Martinez, yeah, the voice of New York. But before we wrap, let's get one more question in if we can. Um, and I want to talk about well, energy crisis and Russian gas crisis crisis caused a recession in Europe. Speaking of Europe, shout out to UK mm -hmm. coming. But yeah, we want to get some more global content. So yeah. it's not just about America. So will this cause a recession in Europe? I'm going to paint the, can I paint the picture for you? Ian? Absolutely. We, we made it through the summer. Mm -hmm. It's not as cold. You don't need as much oil. We are now approaching the cold months of the year, especially in Europe. When, when you're talking about November, December, Feb, this, this is where we're headed. Oil prices, you know, it, it, oil was one of those resources that Russia was important. Mm -hmm. what, what's the impact? Um, I don't want it to call, and I don't want everyone to be fearful, but when I tell you guys, every market is tied into each other, it's very true. So if I look at the price of natural gas, in July, the average was $1.46. It went to $8.32 this month. So there's almost been a 10x increase in that cost. But like you said, you haven't had to use heating oil, natural gas, crude oil as much, which are all products or commodities that we uh, can trade in the futures market. When a winter comes, and if this winter is bad, it will have a negative impact. Because if you're paying $4 for gas or $5 for gas, it is gonna have a huge impact. And it's one of the only tools that Russia really has as leverage, as a leveraging point against Ukraine and European countries to get them to kind of bend to his wheel. Um, please be careful, but like, what are you gonna do if you begin to have to ration 
heating oil and gas in your homes in the winter and you have three kids. They are going to put pressure on politicians to say, hey, make this stop. And as a, as, as a result, if inflation continues to go up, food prices plus heating oil goes up, you're going to have a revolt if something is not changed. So I think it will have a big impact and will definitely lead to a recession uh, in 2023 in a UK market for sure. It won't be long last. It may last a year, if that, or maybe 10 months, but it is going to have a tremendous impact on their market. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. another legendary episode of Market Mondays. Yes. Um, yes, Chicago will be in your area this weekend. Um, the UK, London, Ghana, Nigeria, Paris, uh, Switzerland, uh, the Netherlands, yes, Wales, um, Scotland, Ireland. Um, man, don't Spain, miss this Portugal, opportunity. All <laughs> don't miss this opportunity. Royal Albert Hall. Yes, best way I could describe it is like doing Carnegie Hall, but it's actually even bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, royal, very very royal situation. Never heard before information. Everybody will be at their A game, high level conversation. Yes. Shout out to 19 Keys, high level conversation, <laughs> high energy, surprises, everything, man. Yeah. We're going to be in our bag, man. Anything is possible. Giveaways, everything. This is going to be something that, you know, this is going to be a, a night to remember, a weekend to remember. So go to the website right now, go to InvestFest Euro. We're going to be announcing information probably this week. But you already know how we move. We don't have to announce information. You saw what happened in Fashion Week. You saw what happened at InvestFest. You saw what happened at our Basel, South by Southwest. It Notice a pattern. Sell out. It's never, it's never not reached levels. Mm -hmm. It's always Market Mondays at the Apollo, Market Mondays at Houston. It's always been on par. <clears throat> Sellers market. And over delivered. Yeah. What time should they to get the tape? What what time does the event start to take? <laughs> Let me tell you this now. Even me, you guys saw the fashion. I was there an hour and a half, two hours before. Get there early. If you want a super networking tip, be one of the first people in and help. You'll get a lot more access to stuff. Your way in is by helping. Help, because most people take, most people don't help. Um, so if you don't have a competitive advantage or you're not in the seller's market, being helpful will give you a, a advantage that most people don't use or don't have. But what time should they get the tape? So tape is not actually, so Royal Albert Hall, that's where the, the event is gonna be on Monday, Halloween. So it's mm -hmm. a performance time. So it's not like an all day thing. So I, I believe the doors open at 6.30 and I believe the show starts at 7.30. Get so, there at 4.30. Yes, please. And network, um, and it's, it's, it's gonna be, but we are doing a VIP experience the day before. Mm -hmm. at an undisclosed location. And we're still working out details of that. But that's going to be a vibe within itself. Obviously, that'll be a lot more intimate. That'll be, you know, fewer people. That'll be an opportunity to kind of network, meet. And then we're going to have education at the networking event too. Um, we're working on a lineup for that. So that's going to be the day before. And then the actual the actual show event will be on Halloween, um, 7.30 to probably 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um Bobs. And um, also stay around after you may get a chance to meet me and Troy Rashad. 
Oh yeah, we gonna we gonna special be special guests. Nineteen like we gonna be in town for a little bit. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And for it's sure. on Halloween, so it's like a it's a holiday. It's a, it's just a, you know it's something just every time we do something, you gotta try to make magical moments happen. So absolutely. Um, yeah, be there, man. Be there. Life changing information. Tickets are very, very affordable because it's our first time actually even going to the UK. So we wanted to make sure that everybody was able to attend. So tickets very affordable. Royal Albert Hall, legendary situation. Um, come dressed in your royal regal. Regalia. Yes. And um, yeah. Yeah. When you see us, chuck a deuce. <laughs> chuck a deuce. Shout out to the men's them. Yo. And then we have some special announcements next week for Market Mondays at Madison Square yes, Garden. Yes, 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 yes. One, two wait. punch. One, two punch. We're going to be announcing that next week. Um, so just stay tuned for that because um, that's about to go up too. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, man. And I know you spoke about inflation, uh, Ian. A mm -hmm. um, couple key dates coming up for us here in the U.S. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the August uh, Consumer Price Index, they're going to be announced. And then the 20th, they got the Fed meeting. Uh, so we're, we're expecting a, another percentage uh, rate hike, uh, <laughs> anywhere between 0.75 to 1%. So just a heads up, just so you know, just so you Slowly know. Slowly bringing prices up. Two Slowly. tech, two index, no stress for the long term. Yeah, man. I told you guys in episode 70, trade S&P 500 and the bond market. That's really a hedge fund strategy. If we're being honest, to be able to trade global equities and treasuries is a strategy that hedge funds use. Yeah. And we, we saw the market kind of go up a little bit today on on a, the thoughts that the, you know, the, the U.S. gas prices have come down slightly, yep. which is a sign that perhaps inflation has slowed down a bit. But we'll see tomorrow. We'll see when he speaks what happens. We'll see <laughs> when he speaks. We see, shall see what happens. Uh, while we're talking about people who speak, I want to give another shout out to our people at Ally. Um, we want to give you a great choice if you're looking to bank or invest. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service and is relentlessly focused on doing it right. For both customers and our communities, Allies giving our Market Mondays viewers and listeners a special offer on ally.com slash EYL so that you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. Again, that's ally.com slash EYL. For everything we need, we're all better off with an Ally. Securities products and services are offered through Ally Invest Securities LLC, member at FINRA, SIPC. Shout out to the good folks at Ally and shout out to the good folks at uh, UM. United Masters, uh, John, Ryan, what's going on? Yeah, you guys are amazing. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Yeah, shout out to all of the people that came to New York Fashion Week. And uh, yeah, once again. Shout out to the Pink Blazer, Casino Life, <laughs> Vegas Streets, Neon Lights. That's that's pretty, that was pretty. And, and true, it, very fitting. I said that was Illmatic. Like, again, like, I, we didn't think of, we never even discussed, we never discussed what we we're going to wear, but yeah. To pay homage to Nas, both of us really to pay homage to Nas, like without even thinking about it, it was kind of ill. Fire. Yeah, That's shout out fire. to NAS. Nas, what's up, man? You gotta come through. Money. What's good, man? Shout out to Nas and shout out to Rob. I gotta be honest though, that was more of a homage to Robert De Niro than it was to Nas, even though Nas, Nas paid homage to Robert pay, De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wear the whole pink suit, but in my mind, I, I was I was more thinking about Robert De Niro. Casino, yeah. um, Casino yeah, and that's uh, my, that's Sam Rothstein. One of the greatest movies of all time. Absolutely. No top argument. Five. It's, no it's argument. Definitely Absolutely. top five. It's in my five. One of the top five movies of all time. And um, you know, it's moments in history. So shout out to Robert De Niro, one of my favorite actors of all time. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's dope for me 
to be able to recreate moments in history through fashion. And I remember watching that movie when I was a little kid and I was just like in awe of everything that he was wearing because it was just so outlandish. He was wearing these big goggles with the pink jackets with yeah. the, you know, everything was just crazy. Pink shirt, pink tie. So I'm like, I'm like, I gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta do something really disruptive for fashion week. And uh want Fuchsia, shout out to Mike B. Who, who are better though? De Niro and us? Because the Street Dreams the Street Dreams, Street Dreams video, the colors in that were just incredible. Who, who did it better? Um, I mean it's kind of hard to say who did it better. I'm gonna uh, say Esco. I'm gonna say Esco because it just looks so crazy <laughs> when he did it. I mean, I, you 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 gotta give you gotta give credit to the to the originator. To the originator, got yeah, you. You gotta give credit to the originator, De Niro. I mean, De Niro was clean too. Shout out to Esco, but Esco kept it hip hop. Like his pants were sagging. That's why I was, that's why I just, I look. And De, Niro, De, Niro, he, De Niro kept it clean. I like think he Taylor, went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had the, um, he had the blue joint on when he, uh, the, who's the chick from the Housewives? She was in the video, uh, Kenya. At the time she had just won Miss USA. And so she's in the video, but he had the blue, he had the blue um, yeah. fit on. It was, that was crazy. But outside of the fit, fellas, as a king, Pick a queen and not a ginger. Yo, don't. That's one lesson to learn from. Shout out, <laughs> gingers are always. They always gonna have a leg down. Are, listen, that was, was the movie decision. where I was like, listen, who you pick to be your queen is going to have the biggest impact on your castle and empire. No gingers. And, and it just goes to show, even the best of us can get caught up sometimes. Sam Rothstein, that was part of his Jeez. downfall, and he should have. He should have. What did Jay say? He should have stayed in food and beverage. <laughs> um, too much flossing. He should have yeah. stayed in. That's an important lesson. Mm -hmm. He was a, he was the silent. He was actually the silent partner in the whole situation. Right, what yeah. happened is that his ego got too big for himself. He was a food and beverage. He wanted to be. And he, he started doing a talk show, and all of the bosses in Kansas City they was looking like, "What is this guy doing? Why is he on TV? Like oh, we got to be." Like, he he wasn't Italian, right? He wasn't. No, he was Jewish. He wasn't Italian, so he was never part of that that um in the circle a culture nostra yeah. but he was still that guy mm -hmm. and they liked him everybody liked sam rostein but what happened is that he he got addicted to the fame he got addicted to the lifestyle he stepped out of character stepped out of being behind the scenes and wanted to do a talk show and wanted to try to sue vegas because they was messing with him and they like, yo, that's not that's not what we doing bro yeah should have stayed in food and beverage and be careful of those nickies too Oh, Nikki Sarantino. There's Nikki's in hot your head. life. Right hot now, head. there's Nikki's in your life right now. The hot head, There's a lot of lessons in that movie, man. There's a Nikki That's one in of life. the greatest business movies ever. And life, though. Like, but yeah, the hot heads caught like there's no money in war unless you sell firearms. That's a fact. There's no money in war. Like, please, but the people you select to be in your life. And also, too, like, and I, I tell people behind the scenes, like, if you are associated with somebody who's a star. Continue to help the star elevate and make sure you get your deal points, but everyone's not meant to be in front of the camera dancing. Like you need, everyone has to be integral and in playing their part. And a lot of times when people want that fame, even though there's not as much money in fame, it can, I'd rather be Dick Wolf than Pauls, because you know, got a New York fan base of law and order. Thank you. Opposed to being in front of the camera all the time. How long has that Law & Order, SVU, SVU Intent, SVU, Brooklyn been still running? Going. Still right, going. still going to this day. Being still behind going. the scenes is important. Just make sure you have people in your Definitely. life that um, 
choose to execute have mastered their craft and they're securing themselves because the hotheads and the people who want to be seen and, and want the fame that can cause a lot of drama and kill a lot of empires. You know, what's so crazy. You talk about the um, arms dealer. Um, <laughs> you know, when we was in, I met a lot of people in Nigeria and then in London. So the gentleman that we met the other day, I met him in Nigeria and then mm-hmm. I, I had dinner with him in London. Somebody else who I met in Nigeria, who I had dinner with in London, actually is an arms dealer. Um, hundreds of millions Absolutely. Of, of revenue coming in. And we had, I met him in Nigeria and then we had dinner in London. I just thought about that actually. Two, two very unique people, two totally different spaces. Both two sellers markets. Tremendous bag, exactly. Both from Nigeria originally, and they live, they both live in Nigeria and London. It's a pipeline from Nigeria and London. Yeah. Um, because it, it used to be a, a British colony. Yeah, um a lot of, a lot of the, the res, not the citizens go to university in London. I might have to extend my stay in London, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. I don't think I'm there long enough. There's a lot of opportunity out there. A lot of opportunity networking. I need to I need to I need to connect with, with some more people. Um Abdullah, extend the stay. Facts. Extend the stay. <laughs> extend the stay. London, huge market for investing, trading, business internationally. Hey, come come bring the deal points and the deal memos. Let's get it done. Yes. London, we are on our way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Equity or no involvement. <laughs> All right. Maybe you guys can be an ambassador. No. <laughs> no. All right, y'all. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, tomorrow, actually, Jalen Rose. Uh, Detroit, Michigan, legendary conversation. Tap in and um, stay safe out there. We'll see you. Yes. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. Peace. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.